Welcome back to the Cornerman Podcast. Today we got a special interview for you guys. John motherfucking Anik joined us last week for some questions, and we'll have that for you later in the show. Today we're going to talk about some news going around the UFC, as well as give our predictions on some of the fights we got coming up this weekend at UFC 264. I am Kung Fu Kenny, and we got the boys in here tonight. Chase is in the house, UFC 264 on Saturday, Connor Poirier, the trilogy is going fucking down. You guys sit up in here, we're going to be hanging out tonight, throwing it down with y'all. We're super excited to bring this John Anik interview, it was dope as fuck. Super exciting stuff, man. Can't believe he even come on the show, but what a great guy, man. It was awesome. Absolutely. Let's knock this shit out. Hey, Jared, so tell us about some of this news you heard about today. <laughs> <laughs> All ahead. right, so some big news circling the internet today. July 7th, Air- uh, yeah. Ariel Hawani reported that a fight agreement between Nick Diaz <laughs> and Robbie Lawler is about 90 to 95% done, with the fight being targeted as the co-main event at UFC 266. And this would have them meet again at the Octagon after facing off for the first time 17 years ago at UFC 47 with Nick Diaz winning via knockout in the second round. And um, we just watched it probably 20 minutes ago. If you guys haven't seen that fight, it's honestly one of the all-time greats, and you can find it pretty easily on YouTube. Fantastic fight. Yeah. And I love it. it that's the story. That's why it was probably so hard for them to figure this out. And perfect that matchup, It's too, the perfect matchup. Robbie Lawler's coming off of those losses and shit. Um, so Nick Diaz hasn't fought since mm-hmm. 2015 when he faced Anderson the Spider Silva, and uh, he so also six gave years. us six years. Out of the yeah, range. so six years. Um, and he that was that was the fight where he gave us the infamous meme of him laying down in the middle of the octagon, you know, with his hand on his head. Right. Um, so he's 26 and nine in his career, and after that Anderson Silva fight, Diaz tested positive uh, for marijuana, which was his third offense, and the Nevada State Athletic Commission was forced to suspend him for fucking five years. Well, what happened today? Yeah. Well, yeah. Here we go. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> so, five fucking years for Pot after his third offense. And um, obviously, as we know, Robbie Lawler is the former welterweight champ before losing to Tyron Woodley at UFC 201. Um, Robbie has lost his last four fights and only has one win in his last six fights. Well, well, well. Let me interject. I don't give a fuck. He ain't lose to Ben Askren. Well, that was yeah, fucking oh, Herb Dean. Yeah, with the bulldog. Yeah, that no, was no. Herb Dean. I mean, Robbie's a good sport too, because you know he get you know he just said I understand it happens. So. Oh, he was pissed, but then he he yeah, just calmed down yeah. and let it go. Yeah, because yeah. ain't nothing you can do, you know. Right. But that was bullshit. This is a well. You guys just seen this? Was that your guys' first time watching the Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler fight? Yeah, no. it was my first time seeing that. Yeah. So, if it's anything like that, it's gonna be a banger. It's gonna be a Oh yeah, banger. dude, for sure. But I mean, is it going to be a five-round co-main? Are they going to make this just for the Diaz brothers? Is that going to be their thing? Yeah, but know. he's out of the out of the, for six years. You talked about earlier, you know, ring rust. Yeah, so, ring I mean, rust is real. People forget. I don't. Yeah, ring rust might be real, but his condition. So Lawler's been fighting, right? So that's that's kind of one of those things. But I'm sure that he's kept himself sharp. It just kind of sucks. Here you are, six years later, about to step in the ring with somebody. Yeah, it's a lot of hype though. I'm sure he's going to be prepared. Yeah, Twitter was blowing up today with all this news. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a big card. Volkanovski, Ortega. Yeah, and if people don't Finale, know. Finale, the ultimate fighter. And Nick, Nick always posts, or at least he used to. He, he runs, like, triathlons and shit, so you know he's still, like, he's got that cardio and obviously trains with his brother, so he's kind of so staying somewhat in shape. How old is he now? What's his age now? Man, that's the one fucking late note 20s? I don't have. No, not late 20s. No, he's, like he's, no, he's up there 35. in the 30s. Damn, son. He's on the last leg Lawler's here. Lawler's, like, a year older than him, too. He's so. 37. Nick Diaz is 37. I think gotcha. Nick Diaz is... Uh, 
is. I think he is going to try to put another run together, and this will probably be it right here. Yeah, and Robbie Lawler's 39. So last time they fought, they were 20 and 21, right? 20 and 20. Young. Yeah, 20 yeah, and really 21, young. 22. Yep. Almost hey. two decades after of, of a rematch in the yeah, making. In the here. making. That's awesome. Damn, that's dope. You know, some news that uh, we did see. So I guess this is why Robbie Lawler ended up being the one. They were almost doing the Masvidal versus him. That no, was that was yeah versus Nick Diaz. Boy, that was no, I swear that, that was the dope. rumor circulating. Then like yesterday, they and then should, today they did they popped it with Robbie Lawler. Probably couldn't get the money right with Masvidal. You know how he. See, is. I think yeah. they should have they should have waited a little bit for this card to make this fight because you know depending on where this fight goes this weekend between Connor and Poirier. God forbid if Connor does lose, you you can set up that fucking fight with Nate Diaz. And have him and his brother on the same fucking card. Right. Yeah. That that, that would be a big card. Connor Diaz three at the top. Diaz yep. Lawler two co main event. Right. Yep. Wow, that'd be fantastic. Man, that'd yeah. be that's that's a uh, that's a moneymaker. That's all that is. Oh yeah. Uh and some other news. Um today that the the Nevada State Athletic Commission, which we just mentioned, uh they're not gonna punish fighters who test positive for marijuana. And, uh, you know, it only fucking makes sense because in the state of Nevada, guess what? It's fucking legal. Weed's legal. <laughs> it's legal. <laughs> so in the that's state. It's not a performance enhancing drug. Yeah, so, but. To me, that's just kind of. From the agency's perspective, they just don't want you blaze out of your fucking mind going there and get murdered. Yeah, get hurt. It's well, a lot. You know I mean, I mean, anybody with common sense wouldn't do it about to walk into the ring. Oh, like, well. well that's, the day before. A lot I mean, of these motherfuckers ain't got common sense well, I was going to say, you know, some of these people beat each other to death. They might not have the most common sense, but at the same time, I mean. They're professionals, and you're out there to make a paycheck, and that's your you job. you got to be professional. I think that you would probably take it serious enough that you would Not homeboy. it until afterwards. Not homeboy that bet his contract on himself and lost it. He didn't take <laughs> shit fucking grand. serious. He didn't take goddamn thing serious in that fight. And, uh, Fuck. As, as I just mentioned, you know, they, they suspended Nick Diaz for five years, and I think uh, the athletic commission owes him a fucking major apology. Say, hey, man. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, with this reversal, you know it's got to be a sour taste in his mouth. Oh, my man. God, yeah. So, you know, he potentially missed missed out on the, the prime of his career. Like his, yeah. You know. Definitely, I agree with you. Middle ages, which they say your peak. What are you peak prime? Your it's peak like prime 25 to 32? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say it's like now. your athletic prime. That's so. what I'm saying. He's on the last leg here. Yeah. He's going to make one run for it. And nope, knowing Dana, he'll send him straight to the top if he pulls it off in a – Ooh, if Nick, um, if yeah, Nick an amazing fashion. Yeah. If, if he just goes out there and just sleeps him, he'll go right to the top. Maybe two, three fights, boom. There he's at Usman. This isn't really that big of a news, but, you know, it's kind of a pretty hot take. Uh, Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith will be joining the broadcast team for UFC 264. Boom. Um, <laughs> now, listen, I, I love Stephen A. and some of his takes and all the memes that he gives us. And fucking Max Kellerman, he can go jump off that fucking cliff that he said Tom Brady was going to fall off five years ago. <gasps> oh, and, and that's listen, wait, wait, you're wait. Bostonian. Uh, well, yeah, that, but he's a fucking moron. <laughs> but they, uh, I think they should just stay on their own shows. And um, some of the better options, or not some of the better options, but, you know, the UFC has other options than these yeah. fucking two. That, I, think, I don't think it's a UFC. This is know, an ESPN Yeah, it's an, ES, it's an ESPN right. move, it's you know, be, forcing man. their hand. They're uh, they're trying to incorporate um, more fans from different you know bases into the UFC since well, this is such that, a big thing. I think thing. it's just a rec- to 
to put well, make, faces that are recognizable. Well, that's what I mean. Well, yeah. For more casual viewers that don't know, they're like, oh, I right, know Stephen right. A. Smith because yeah. like basketball and this and a third. Like you just said, though, Stephen A. is a meme producing machine. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's he's well known, so he will draw a little bit more people in. One good thing that. I can say is, you mean, if they do some sort of pre-show, man, let's put Joe Rogan and Stephen A. Smith in the Ooh. same room and see what transpires right <laughs> there. That might actually be worth watching. That's goddamn television right oh, there, yeah. man. I remember that whole thing about Stephen A. punching babies. You know, he's doing that thigh punch <laughs> or whatever the fuck it was. And he said he would kick Joe Rogan's ass shit. I need to I, see that. I forgot down. about that, dude. He did do that shit. Yeah, that, that was a very <laughs> oh, bad video. Snap. But just some some of the better options, and you know, maybe actually put people who know the fucking sport, like Megan Olivi. You know, hey, I gotta take a step back for just like, can you just imagine Joe Rogan breaking down Stephen A. <laughs> in the booth? Stephen A. Say one thing, he just what? Cop, <laughs> just snap his ass up. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's going to be that I'm kind of like shit. I'm like dying trying not to laugh because I'm thinking about Man, it. Man, like how he did to Mike Goldberg on that uh, Lawler and Diaz fight. Yeah, yeah, If yeah. Steven tries to say something, quick he's going to put him in a place real quick. Uh, quick no, correct him. Yeah. Uh, no, Steven, that's incorrect. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's going to be pure so entertainment that night. I'm sorry, man. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, you're good, but I like... Since I well, I hope they're not just going to be all you know sitting on the fucking same table. I think they're just going to be like you know sideline reporters, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, just like you know making. I feel like uh, would be. He's Stephen H. Probably going to be like Brett does and Megan does, like right at the Octagon door. Yeah. And you know and start do like an announcement right there, and then it's like back over to them yeah. when the fighters come out. I think a out. lot of pre-show too. I think they'll. Oh yeah, they'll definitely. Do a lot of that, like something on ESPN, you know, for people to watch. Um, and also, uh, Dana White. I guess came out and announced that Donald motherfucking Trump will be in attendance for UFC 264. Donnie, as uh, as well as Justin Bieber, Dave Chappelle, Kevin Durant, Mel Gibson, OBJ, Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Fox, Courtney Kardashian, Travis Barker, and many others. I guess uh, everybody's gonna come out to see fucking Conor McGregor. Conor brings yeah. him out, man. Yeah, he does. And if they came out. You've seen the Instagram they have. That's where I've seen the Chris Pratt thing. They're doing the Guy Fieri. Like, there, there's so many names are being advertised for this fight. This yeah. is yeah. giant. Hyping it, baby. Yeah, and he already said, like, the pre-sales are more than... I mean, this might just be him talking, Dana. But the pre-sales for this fight have Top exceeded other one, right? every other pay-per-view so far. And that's just the pre-sales. This is not even, like, buying it Damn. the time of the card. You know what I right, mean? Right, which, right. He, which I'm not going to do. I'm about to buy that shit tomorrow because <laughs> i'm not dealing I will with be that. In those pre-sale numbers because i swear yeah. to god you're gonna buy it right at seven o'clock or nine o'clock whenever that shit, shit starts it's gonna crash it's gonna crash it's gonna be like the showtime shit with a logan paul Mayweather. yeah it's gonna <laughs> it be down out at the beginning. oh it's yeah. gonna be down yeah so if you guys are listening to this and you you know you plan on buying it then fucking you guys better buy it friday night it might be worth going buy it friday Saturday night morning yeah friday night and log in about 15 minutes early. Go ahead and cut that last fight off because everybody and their mother is going to be clicking that link. Yeah. Yep. All right. In just a moment, we're going to jump into the fights for Saturday, UFC 264. But before that, we've got some breaking news about October, October 30th specifically. We have UFC 267. And this is going to be headlined by Pieter Jan and Aljamain Sterling. The rematch, the, the showdown. Where Al Jermaine is going to get his ass whooped again. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So. I'm down with that. And if Pietro Jan feels the need to throw another knee and knock the motherfucker out again <laughs> and put him out and have neck surgery, I'll be down with it. I don't care. 
I think it'd be pretty dope people too forget, to see that. People forget. Remember that fight? I was sitting there screaming. I was like, don't oh, knee yeah. him. Don't fucking yep. knee him. I do remember that. I was in the chair. I was in the rolly chair. I'll tell you. Don't knee him because he was just winding up. Don't fucking do it. And just fucking. I was, blo- I was blacked out drunk, so I really don't remember it. But when I rewatched <laughs> it, I'm like, bro, like, it's coming. You just see him holding his head. Yeah. And yeah. he's just sitting there annoyed, like, get the fuck up. Yeah. And then he just pulled the trigger. Yeah. And that was it. But, yeah. Just want to throw that out there. Let's jump into the fights of 264. What are we going to start with? Who we got? Uh, well, let's start with uh, some of the prelims, uh, some of the ones that uh, that we find interesting. Uh, we got Nick. Well, the co-main event of the prelim card. Uh, we got Nico Price versus uh, Michelle Pereira. Uh, Nico Price is the underdog, and uh, he's plus one forty-four, and Pereira's one, minus one seventy-seven. Really, he's the favorite. Yeah, he's the favorite. He uh, in I his like last, Nico Price in this fight. I like Michelle Pierre just because I like his fighting style. It's very eccentric, mm-hmm. very fun. And in his last fight, I think um, who did he fight? It was, he went to a decision. Who, what, what, the guy, I cannot remember who this is for the life of Chaos Williams. There we go. I knew he had a crazy name. But yeah, he fought him, fought him very, very well, fought him very controlled and not so eccentric. And so when he Nico focuses Price in. is that opposite, though. He's fucking eccentric as shit. Exactly. That's why. There with his crazy I think that's why it's a good matchup because they're mm-hmm. both like that. But I think they're going to have to, you know, strap down and take it serious because both of them are very dangerous. And I think whoever wins this probably might bust in the top 15 or get close to it because they're right there on the cusp of getting there. And they're very big names. You know what I mean? Yep. Nico and, uh, Price is good names. I mean, what, who did he fight last? Wonder, uh, not Wonder Boy. Cowboy. Was that his last fight? I think so. I think he did. Yeah. Cowboy. So, um, I mean, they're right there on breaking into the top 15. And I just love this fight. Uh, but, main, event, you know, main event for the prelims, we got Carlos Condit versus Max Griffin. Max Griffin is the favorite at minus 190. Carlos Condit is the underdog wow. at plus 150. I, that's an interesting, interesting match. I think Max Griffin's going to pull it off. Carlos Condit's getting old. Yeah, I was about to say he's got. If he wins this, he continues. Yeah. If he loses, yep. it might be um, close to the end of his career. Yep. You know, I think Dana wouldn't doesn't pull anybody that's winning, that's getting older. If they're winning, they're winning. But when they start losing, and he tries to save them, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not going to let them keep going. Dude, this card is so fucking stacked from all the prelims of the fucking literally. That co-main event prelim, which we're excited for, all the way to the fucking main event of the main card. I mean, look, you even got Jessica I way down at the bottom. Yeah, the at prelims. the main yeah. event of the Jessica. early prelim. The early prelims. Yeah, like, come on, man. I mean, she uh, did. She had a. I mean, come on. She's top contender. Top so contender. The, so the first fight of the main card, the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley versus Chris Moutinho, which is a you know he's coming out he's coming into this fight on what five days notice maybe five days notice UFC debut. Yep. And wow. I think, and, and a lot of people, listen, this is a no slander, the sugar show podcast. Okay. A lot of people are giving him shit saying, oh, you wouldn't fucking fight. Who was he supposed to, uh, the one that he called out or he didn't call him out on Ricky Simone. Yeah. Ricky mm-hmm. Simone, but Ricky he's Simone the one to was cut like, no, weight. we're going to do it at catch weight. You know, it's a good call out for Sean O'Malley, but you know, Ricky Simone obviously couldn't make the weight. Um, but this is a lot of risk for Sean O'Malley to call in someone making their UFC debut. Sean O'Malley has way more to lose. Than this fucking kid. Yeah, I seen the interview he did uh today for the media that I was just watching, and uh, he was saying it's a lose lose for him and a win win for the other guy. Yeah. It is. But he brought up the point is like you know, the way I knock people out, if you if I knock you out, this might be the end of your career. So, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Gonna- and you know, Sugar, he's really good. He's probably one of the most dynamic strikers in the UFC alongside mm-hmm. Israel, and then a fellow. <laughs> you had to throw that in there. I do always <laughs> alongside Israel. He, you know, if we're going one two three, Israel. Then probably 264 fighter as well, Wonder Boy. Yeah. 
That's my, that's my top three. Dynamic, dynamic, dynamic strikers, yeah. not boxers, not this unorthodox, unlike unusual striking performances. Those top three right there. That's it. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited to see Sean O'Malley, and I, especially if see another point with Sean O'Malley, if he if he if he gets the dub, and for you that aren't that aren't aware, uh, the podcast following this will do more of this kind of talk on our whiteboard talk, but. Sean O'Malley versus Cody Garbrandt to break into the top ten. Ooh. Ooh Cody going to sleep. Yep. <laughs> Cody's Most going likely. To sleep. Uh, so after that fight, we have Irene Aldana versus Yana. I don't even know how to say her name. Uh, Kunitskaya. 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 Yeah, let's go with that. I know who that is. Um, pretty even odds. Uh, That's uh, Tiago Santos' wife. Is it really? Yeah. Stop playing. I swear to God. Okay. Well, I'll have to. Take your word on that. Uh, pretty even odds. She's uh, plus 100, and uh, Aldana is minus 125 uh, for a Bantamweight fight. Not too familiar with these two. Um, I don't know how they made it to the main card. I guess they yeah. just had to throw some chicks on there. I mean, I, I liked it better with the Kevin Lee, Sean Brady. Then oh, they got yeah. moved we to prelims. So, we were so disappointed. And then they, they took it off and yeah. removed it and put it to, I think, August or something. I can't remember. Man, that would have been a banger. Damn <laughs> And then after that, we have uh, the boy, Tai Tuivasa, versus Greg Hardy. And I cannot fucking wait for this fight. Tai Tuivasa is minus 137 favorite. Greg Hardy is plus 110. Uh, I'm going all in on Tai Tuivasa. I might even throw a little on Tai Tuivasa via knockout. Definitely. Um, Greg Hardy was also talking a lot of shit today. He's calling Derek Lewis fat, 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 this and that. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, I've like, seen Greg that. Greg Hardy, was... don't even be talking. I know you're a big dude, but like you got to cut weight. You almost missed weight. Yeah, he did. Yeah, remember he had to weigh in twice one time. Damn right. I think they gave him like an hour to cut yep. the half pound or whatever. To, mm-hmm. I mean, my God. How do you fuck that up? I don't know. You got one job, I'm bro. Just, all, you, all you have to do is not eat fried chicken for like the, the week prior. Yeah. And you'll so lose I'm, it. I'm hoping we could see a maybe a live shoey as he, as Tuivasa, you know, walks out of the ring. Maybe a fan hands him a shoe. With oh, a def- oh definitely. He's going oh, to oh, have something set up and it's going to be fucking Look, even electric. if it's not a fan, it's probably like. One of his boys takes him. Maybe not even one of his boys. It's like a UFC like operative, like in the crowd, just to set (laughs) the shit up for you know. Waiting for him to come down. Exactly. Damn right. I mean, we might even see the return of the inhaler though. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. I don't want to see that because then it's a no contest. I know. So hopefully Tai Tuivasa can pull this off, and you know Greg Hardy hasn't been in there that much. He is learning. He is getting better. Dana likes him. Yeah, Dana does. I mean, he does pull a crowd because I think. Uh, well, I mean, this fucking card doesn't need a crowd, but Greg Hardy gets a lot of eyes watching because, you know, a former football player um, entering the ring, or I'm sorry, out of the octagon, but I just think a lot of people want to see him get knocked out. Uh, me included, I'm included in those people. Um, you know, just because of his it's... antics before getting into the UFC and after football and shit like that. that. That can play a part in it, but at the same time, I don't think it's like solely that. I think a lot of people just like two of us and more. So, yeah, you he's know, more of a people person. Exactly, exactly. I just think I just think Tai Tuivasa is like has way too much ring time comp- compared to Greg Hardy, and um, he's just a uh, well. Greg Hardy just fought who Alexander Volkov, right? Not too long ago. I, Volkov. Yeah. Hmm. Possibly. I don't know. I, I haven't really been following Hardy that much, honestly. I know his last fight it didn't go his way, but he might have fought Volkov. Probably so. You know, it's. I think the main draw for these guys is they're just so fucking big. When they step into the octagon and they're moving around, oh my goodness. 
Somebody might go through the freaking cage. Oh, so that was four fights ago. I'm sorry. Yeah, he he fought uh, uh, Alexander Volkov and lost. Um, then he fought Jorgen DeCastro, won. Maurice Green won. And then fought uh, Marcin Tibura, lost. And now he's fighting Tai Tuivas. Yeah, Tibura. So, it wasn't, so this was in November of 2019, so. Tibura's really good, too, so. that There's no... Yeah, he got knocked. Greg Hardy got knocked out, lost via knockout. That was last December of 2020. Yeah, Tiberius just beat um, Olenek. He's a good guy. He's a, he's a good fighter. So. Yeah, I think I think Tai Tuivasa is going to pull it out. Like I said, I think I'm going to sprinkle some Tuivasa via knockout. Maybe even Tuivasa money line. Um, I wonder what the over under set at for that. I think it's set at. I'm going to get. I'm going to guess like one and a half. I'm guessing right now. I'm pulling up DraftKings. Shout out DraftKings, no free ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Over under set at one and a half. Uh, the over is minus one eighty six, under plus one thirty seven. So definitely you know, three round fight, split right down the middle. Um, yeah, nobody expects this to go the distance. No, they're gonna come out banging. Uh, so the co-main event, UFC two sixty four. Uh, hey, another fucking banger, stylistic matchup. You got the number two fighter Gilbert Burns versus the number four fighter Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's the favorite at uh, hey, minus hey, 155. Hey. Gilbert Burns plus 125. This is it. This is it for him. This is a great fucking fight. Yeah, this is Wonderboy's last shot. At, this is it, brother. You yeah. know why? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what's what's happening. All these things are getting announced down the pipeline. Usman's been so active. They're not going to announce Usman Colby two until they see what happens here. If Wonderboy goes out here and fucking puts on an absolute clinic against Burns, he's getting the title shot. Yeah. They're going to give it to him. I agree. We'll save save that for the white whiteboard talk. Oh, I'm just telling you. I'm just <laughs> yeah, hyped, no, I'm I'm know, hyped up on Wonderboy. I'm saying. I'm saying I, I'm I love saying. it. You know, and hey, man, Gilbert Burns is no fucking bitch neither. Nope. He Usman was just better that well, night. His, his run to the top was Immaculate. so fucking dominant. And then he 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 met he fumbled. Usman. He then, almost knocked him out, man. Yeah. I think he was, was the closest one to beat him, even closer than Colby, really. I thought he had the best shot, Gilbert Burns. I did, too. I, I was yeah. riding that train, and I rode it to a fucking train wreck. <laughs> Because when he started getting jabbed up, you know, I was watching the clip of him after he lost, and he was like, he was crying so bad, and his like eyes were so fucking swollen from the jabs, both of them. Oh you think, my god! What do you think? Because because he got was it him that got COVID or was it his team that got COVID? Um, because that was last year going into fight. Island. I think it was his team that got COVID. Okay. Burns? Yeah, because yeah, he was sure supposed he to headline. Did he test team. positive? Did he? Yeah, I think it was his whole team. I they can't remember. They didn't yeah, get so, to get on that card. So, so then you know. No what like hey nobody knows what happens to your body after COVID still don't fucking know so you we'll know, give him the benefit been, of the doubt yeah that's what I'll, I was just about to say I'll give him the benefit of the doubt going to that Usman fight because like not I just this said time, that no. his his rise to that title shot was fucking unreal. I'm thinking I'm thinking this I I, I want Wonder Boy to pull out some fucking magical karate face kick oh yeah like but, a teep uh, kick or something to his fuck it's yeah. not gonna happen not a teep Wonder Boy question mark kick or something he's, yeah. gonna, he's gonna win by decision. You think Greg? You think uh, Greg Hardy? You think uh, Gilbert yeah. Burns is going to win by a decision? Yeah, that's that's like what ninety percent sure is going to happen. A lot of, a lot Other of people than that, are saying Tom, Wonderboy Thompson is going to win via decision. It's going to go the distance. And, that's what I meant. Oh, you, I thought you just said Burns is going to win. Did I say decision. Burns? I meant I Wonderboy. So. Oh, okay, no, no, no. Okay, I meant okay. Wonderboy. If okay. I said that, I, excuse me. But I about ninety percent. I think I'm pretty stupid, and I just misheard you. No, it's all Gucci. <laughs> now ninety percent sure Wonderboy is going to go the distance and just put on a clinic. But if it were to go any other way, it's going to be if Burns is able to get him to the ground. A lot of people, Brennan Shaw was one of them. Uh, a lot of people say that, you know, bringing in a person into your camp for fucking karate is a nightmare. Because, you know, no one ever fucking fights people who natural karate. So, I think 
I think Thompson gives him trouble. Hopefully he can win by knockout because that'll be I'm fucking so sick. Too. And you know, well, I'm just that's what I hope. But I, I kind of, kind of hoping for a banger. He's just got to keep the distance. To watch. Yeah. Keep the distance. Uh, he's so long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He can keep Burns keep the takedown and defense stay, up. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. He can keep the takedown. His takedown defense is uh, one of the un- best. Very underrated. And then uh, getting into the main event, Dustin Poirier. <sighs> Versus Connor fucking McGregor. <laughs> Bro, I just had to do that. They should have me another day. Yeah, so that that voice clip. Connor's back on his bullshit, which I fucking love. You see him post the DM from yeah, his fucking what was yeah, that his wife or his yeah, sister? That's, or that's his wife, Miss Jolie Porter, whatever. I mean Porter. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it was it's gotta be fake, man. I don't Is know, it? but regardless, he's back on his bullshit, and I think it's fucking awesome because I, I like seeing that kind of Conor McGregor. Rather what if than, it is you know, real? You know, what if she was smiles in? and shit like that? If he that was would sliding be hilarious, the DMs? bro. That's like some <laughs> What if crazy he's been? What if, been, what if he's been long. hanging on to that since 2014? Oh, dude. Well, you know, it's so crazy, dude. You know what I mean? People forget <laughs> Master Revenge. Got two, new, got multiple new iPhones between now and then, but saved that message just for this moment. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> People forget Conor McGregor when he fought fucking um, Floyd Mayweather. He posted a picture of him wearing a, a Golden State Warriors jersey. Yeah, 23. And, yeah. And that in a. Uh, Someone comment or what's his name? Draymond Green commented on it and was like, "Man, we don't fuck with you. We fuck with Floyd. This and that, da da da." da. And he was like, "He was like, I don't know who the fuck you are, but read up on your history. This isn't your fucking jersey." And um, come to find out, the actual jersey was for someone who, who fucked. <laughs> was it Mayweather's Floyd's, fiance or, or whatever? Yeah, her fiance, his fiance, yeah. or baby oh, mama, or something like that. Yeah, it was so funny. His reply to yeah, he Green was like, the "He was like, comments. I don't dribble balls. I dribble heads, heads off, off fucking mats." mats. Yeah. <laughs> fucking um, Love it. This is going to be fucking very interesting because, um, mm. well, mm. as you're about to hear, John Anik will go into it pretty good uh, on his opinion, um, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, Conor McGregor, if he if he can, you know, check them leg kicks because he already does have a wide stance, but if he if he can check them uh, leg kicks, I think that I think that Conor can fucking pull this one out because he dominated and I shouldn't say dominated, but he, you know, Controlled outclassed him in the first round. And Dustin did take him down, but you know Connor got right back up. Connor definitely dominated. Connor, Connor had him hurt boxing. too. Connor had him hurt, yeah. and Connor didn't fucking do anything. He I didn't watched capitalize. that fight like twice in the past week. Didn't capitalize. No, he did not um, capitalize. He uh, he was definitely controlling the pace, pushing Dustin back, keeping Dustin on his toes, and he was Dustin was eating big shots, mm-hmm. right? So Connor definitely had the boxing on lock, but. He had that wide stance. He wasn't as light on his feet, mm-hmm. you know, staying moving, getting out the way. He was just kind of accepting the punishment, thinking he could beat him, yep. you know, just put him out yeah. with his shots. Yeah. And I don't think it, like, registered in his brain or his corner's brain saying, hey, man, like, you've done hit him with your big shots and nothing's happened. Like, don't sit there and keep taking fucking damage. Because yeah. then when he started getting backed up and you're backpedaling on that leg that's swollen up like a fucking football, right. his words, he got no support. And then Dustin's boxing just came in. He went in for the fucking kill. And you can't allow that to happen. Me with this fight, my heart says McGregor, but my goddamn wallet is saying Poirier. At 155, Poirier is so damn good and he's so much bigger. He's got so much more weight and so much more durable. Well, I think I think that, uh, that helps Poirier, like – 
you know, taking Connor's biggest shot. I don't think it was his biggest shot, but, you know, getting hit fucking as hard as he did. Clean. And knowing that he could, you know, survive. Uh, that'll definitely help Poirier, but it's definitely going to be interesting because you know, you know something fucking crazy is going to happen. Connor fucking, the antics, hopefully with the weigh-in coming up tomorrow, something's going to fucking happen. No, not, not bad. Hopefully this fight does happen. Knock on, knock on wood. Um, Seeing that prop bet. Do they get separated? Oh, they get separated at, at yeah, the they're separated. It's like no is are. like a minus a thousand. Yeah, uh, you think no? Wait, that's no what was it was. Favorite? Yeah, no is the favorite. Minus okay. a thousand. It was like plus five fifty. They um, they do get separated. Well, the the money line right here is uh, Conor McGregor's plus one hundred five. Poirier is minus one thirty four. Um, I think. Uh, I'm telling you. I don't know. I gotta go with Conor. Your I heart's go going with Connor. I gotta go with Connor. Yeah, my heart's going. With Connor. Where's your wallet going? My wallet's going with Connor too. I'm gonna fucking bet him. Oh, Fuck it. Shit. I'm betting Connor. I'll say it right now. I'm betting Connor. What's the over under set at too? God. Where's this shit? Who knows, man? What is it? I, two I and a half? Is it? Probably. I'm with you, man. I think I'd have to go Poirier. I think I just. I don't want to. I mean, I like I, them I'm both. The same I really way. want oh, Connor man. to win because there's so much potential of things that can happen and what, like, right. what fire will be rekindled, but. Oh man! Just after the showing, it's it. Maybe I'm a victim of recency bias of judging him off his last fight. I don't know. Maybe well, that's just, what's happening to me. I just right we, now. you see him so much on Instagram posting him fucking or him posting you know with all these cars and him riding a bike you know flexing his muscles signing autographs and all this shit. So hopefully he was really he took his training serious and was in the gym working his fucking ass off. And he posted a picture today on his on his Twitter and Instagram and he his, fuck he looked. You know, tremendous. Don't say that. They say that every time. He says that every time. Everybody well, yeah, says that every time. In great shape. Of course, the he's gonna be. Looks a, awesome. Well, that don't mean shit, man. I could be a fucking peak condition, but go in there and get my ass whooped. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. He just if he comes in you light. Can't, no, you remember? Remember? Fucking, so light. Remember? Uh, what's his name? Homeboy's about to fight. Who oh. pop for PEDs? Snake in the grass. What's his name? Oh, uh, Dillashaw. Yeah, TJ Dillashaw. Remember he when he cut to one? What was it one? Was it one thirty-five? One one. Remember and he looked like he remember he looked like death. So yeah. you can you can look at someone and say, Oh, he looks like fucking shit or he looks I guess really you can good. say that. I guess you're right. well, yeah, you're when right. you're losing weight maybe, but gaining weight. Um I just don't know if he God, just don't go out there and box, damn it. Please don't go out there and box because I got a feeling Connor's gonna I mean not Connor. I think Dustin's gonna go for submission. Early. Like first round, second round. He won't wanna gas himself out. That's that's the issue with that. Who Dustin? Yeah, but I think he's gonna go for submission, man. Well, I, I don't know why I'm. He's saying not gonna this. gas himself out because you've seen his 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 cardio is pretty good. It's Connor that that's might gas himself out. In the first I'm just saying with rounds. like the, the wrestling, like the yeah. takedown attempts, because Connor's gonna be able to defend, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's gonna wear each of them out. But it, I just I got a feeling, man, it's something nobody's gonna expect. Connor by knockout round two. Ooh, Poor calling yeah. it there, eh? Yep. Poirier submission round two. No. Hey man, I'm putting. Hey, That's a cap. I, shit. <laughs> That's a cap. Man, I'm telling you, if that shit happens, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. No, I think I'm gonna chase on this one. I think it's gonna be Poirier, but not a submission in the first round. More like a second round. I did say second round. Yeah, oh, you yeah, did. You okay. I did say okay, second okay. round. I'm not that crazy. I think he is gonna go at him hard on the first round like that and try to you know kind of control the pace and hold all that and then just wear him down like he done last time. But I mean, it's just not gonna be on the. 
on their feet. What if, it's what if be on the ground? What if Connor knocks him out with the fucking head kick? That would be the like, dopest <laughs> shit oh, in the like, history yo, of you time. You want to beat these legs last time? Okay, now eat so one. I'm saying. I need. To, I would love to see that, bro. That would be epic. Like I said, he my does heart's throw in crazy ass kicks. My heart's with Connor. Oh, I forget who I was watching. Dan Hardy talking about Connor's like karate stance and whatnot. How he uses his side kicks to like the to the thigh and the the abdomen to control distance really well. He mm-hmm. is, did not use any of that type of fighting in the last fight. He needs to bring that style back to put his opponent right where he needs him. Because, like I said, in the going into 257, Dustin takes so much damage. If Connor can just stay at range, he can play with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think it all comes down to fundamentals. If Connor, you know, as we've seen with um, Rob Font, the jab is so fucking is so uh, powerful, and you know, people overlook it. Connor just fucking sticks him with the jab and, you know, works that. I don't think it'll be as simple as that, but definitely is going to be interesting on this fight and where it goes. So that kind of wraps up a 264 recap right there. Well, not necessarily the recap, but the review of kind of what we see that's going on. Uh, we're going to jump into the John Anik interview. He was nice enough to kind of come on the show with us, do a Zoom call. Um, we'll put up some clips in a couple of different places so y'all can see the clips as Absolutely. well. But we're going to throw the audio on here and uh, let y'all kind of enjoy it. And without further ado, John motherfucking Anik on the Cornerman Podcast. All right, John, you ready? Yes. Awesome. All right. Uh, I know I've said that uh, my dad was the one who originally got me into watching the UFC, and I can't thank him enough for doing so. But uh, what's your earliest memory of watching the UFC? How old were you? And who was the one who introduced you to the sport of MMA? So I remember getting together with buddies in 1993 to watch UFC one. And then we watched UFC two, but then I probably didn't watch again until UFC 50 in like 2004. The real impetus for me becoming an MMA fan was when I was hosting a boxing radio show in 2007 and Gary Shaw, the boxing promoter who was launching elite XC invited us to Tunica, Mississippi to cover his show. And the rest is history. I mean, I saw this sport live for the first time in person and just felt like it, it had so much more to offer than boxing. And it was just so much more exciting on the whole. You know, we were the guys showing up watching the boxing prelims when no one in Vegas or L.A. was showing up for those fights. So for me, it really wasn't until I saw it live in 07 that I can say I was hooked. But I did watch UFC one appointment viewing in 1993 when when many of you were probably not born. Yeah. That is true. I, I was around. Nice. I was hanging, I was hanging out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, John. Um, so was that kind of like the moment you decided you want to do like a commentary, you know, play-by-play commentary made you kind of want to do go in that direction towards the UFC, kind of doing that in 2007? So I think it was probably a year or so later that, that my wheels started to spin in that direction, at least thinking about mixed martial arts as a career path. And then uh, I got the chance to, to host a show called MMA Live at ESPN, and that opened up a door to do Bellator's first season uh, right. on the play-by-play side. But, man, you know, at ESPN, it's hard, right, because they want you to be a Swiss Army knife. Or I shouldn't – I mean, that's a broad generalization. They wanted me to be a Swiss Army knife. And, uh, you know, I felt like I had some tools, but I didn't want to be a highlight machine for the rest of my life. You know, I, I wanted to be in that live event atmosphere and uh, – I guess I felt like my skill set was better suited to, to the live event and things on the fly than, uh, than the studio stuff. So um, it's not that I don't enjoy being on a desk every now and again, but uh, 
but doing the live events is, is my real passion. And, uh, you know, thankfully I got a few breaks and I was able to sort of spin my career in that direction. That's awesome. Hey, That's we love awesome. You. So you're, you're Wait. an OG literal. Absolutely. OG. There's not many people who have been or, or watching since fucking UFC one. Well, and I don't know that I'm, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know that I'm an OG and my memory isn't great. You know, I do remember that night in Newton, Massachusetts, watching UFC one as if it was the biggest sporting event in the world. And that's saying something for a kid growing up in Boston. Um, But I think just eight, you know, eventually you just get old and it's like your contemporaries seem all younger than you, you know, when you're born in the 1970s. uh, You know, it's like, I, I don't feel like I've been around in MMA in terms of the broadcast journalism all that long, but all of a sudden you look up and it's been 12, 13 years and uh, you know, my hair's white. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking on of you becoming a commentator and you've been around for so long, I know this is like a new trend starting to happen with guys that are being on the panel, like uh, your fellows, DC, um, Paul Felder, you know, um, all these guys are like fighters or retire fighters. Does that put any type of pressure on you going forward as you have, been, even though you are so amazing and the way you handle it is beautiful, but does that put any pressure on you like going forward as the business is evolving and they want more people to be, so cemented into the world of MMA? Well, I appreciate the words, man. You know, I think it's a challenge when your broadcast booth is constantly changing show to show, but I don't know that I can sit here and tell you that I would prefer the opposite to have the same broadcast partner for every show. You know, I think generally speaking, they all approach it different ways and they all have their different strong suits. And I kind of like getting the curveballs. You know, I never really know who's showing up until about 10 days out, which is kind of cool. I'm amazed at how many of these guys have been able to sort of cross over and call the live fights, because with respect, I think it's one thing to to walk somebody through a highlight or or do some analysis on a desk, but calling a live event over eight hours, there's a lot of different layers to that job. You know, some of it is is energy conservation and there's just a lot that goes into it. So um, I think we got a lot of skilled guys and, and to your point, sort of more coming through, you got guys like Gerald Mershart who maybe will never get an audition, but you should see him on a microphone, you know? So it's an exciting time to be in the space for sure. And uh, I think you'll see them continue to audition new bodies, you know, week in and week out. I think, uh, I think they're always looking for new talent, whether it's fighting or, uh, or commentating, hopefully they don't find any great play-by-play guys any, anytime soon. I don't think you can be top, honestly. It, you know, that's what I tell everybody. You know, like Dana is very vocal about the legal streaming and all this. And I, when we purchase, oh. we, we do this like religiously and we have our setup. It's the, the experience. And as soon as your voice comes on, the, it, the nights, it's, it's on. And I love Thank it. Thank you, and man. I, love it. I mean, it definitely is a unique, a unique live sporting event experience whether you're home or you're in the building you know for my first five years with the company if I wasn't working the desk I was home watching these pay-per-views and you know I don't want to not work these pay-per-views but I do look forward to the day when I can sit down like you guys and watch a UFC pay-per-view event because you know for us obviously some Boston people in here um you know, the only thing I could equate these UFC main events, I'm not even talking title fights necessarily, these UFC main events, it feels like your team is in a championship setting. And for me, I'm really just a fan um, that's very fortunate to have the job that I do. So it's kind of crazy. Like sometimes I'm anxious just as a fan watching the fight and it's like, dude, you got to like talk and like you got to focus right now, even though you're anxious. So uh, 
it's it's a great job and a great sport and uh and thankfully you guys are on board when you're young you know i wish i watched it all the way through you know um i wish i didn't take you know 11 years off yeah i am uh i've only been watching for a few years but i will tell you it caught me like that it is it is amazing uh, no, I listened to your episode today of uh, the Annika Florian podcast, and you mentioned that uh, you worked with uh, special needs students or, or uh, teenagers with autism. So what made, I know you said that um, maybe not so much or it wasn't financially beneficial, but how, can you tell us your story and how you made the transition literally from that to where you are, maybe not where you are now, but when you first started, um, I know you kind of mentioned you were on a uh, boxing podcast or not podcast I'm sorry boxing radio yeah um so how did you make that transition for being a like a teacher so to speak to you know on the radio were you doing that on the side and that kind of took off or yeah I mean that's kind of how it went down essentially I, I at first when I started working with special needs kids I was like 15 and just needed a job I was sick of uh sick of picking golf balls at the driving range and getting fucking pelted <laughs> with golf balls so um so I started working at just a, a, a preschool, a program for autistic preschoolers or, you know, preschoolers that were on the spectrum. And I just absolutely loved it. And so I did that summers and through college. And then I was trying to work as a sports writer while I was also, you know, teaching sort of special needs middle school. And then I was doing the radio thing while I was working as like a job coach for special needs teenagers. So I was always kind of doing both, um, but never really getting anywhere financially as a vocational coordinator. Certainly what well, I was making, you know, $20 a story for the Metro West Daily News. I wasn't making money in journalism either. Um, but I felt like going down the broadcasting path um, would be the right decision. So I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting um, while I was working as the vocational coordinator and it kind of all came together, got an internship at a radio station. And that allowed me to get some uh, repetitions. You know, that's about as efficiently as I can sum up my life story. So <laughs> that's awesome. I know I did. Uh, I know, I'm not sure if you're if you're familiar with the Best Buddies program, but I did yes. that. Uh, middle school and kind of touched it in high school uh, with baseball we had a best buddies baseball program so yeah that's that, great uh, that's awesome yeah. for you to do that yeah no I wish that uh you know I mean my wife's a teacher right I wish teachers uh got paid uh what they deserve you know I mean it sounds shallow right but uh there are a lot, a lot of good people that would be in that field um if they people were just paid a fraction of what they deserve so oh yeah they're not Absolutely. paying her enough Hey man, so what can you tell us about uh, Fight Island? You know, how was that experience for you? Uh, we kind of watched the documentary and picked up on some of the yeah. things that went on. So uh, we'll let you kind of just tell us what you want to. We'll pick some questions out of that. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I hope it doesn't sound like promotional hyperbole, but I think that W Hotel, Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi, is just intoxicating. And that was sort of the backdrop for Fight Island, right? Within the bubble. It's the nicest hotel I've ever been at. I, I felt like I was in a goddamn movie, you know? And for me, of course, it began, as many of you know, with a false positive test right. when I got to Fight Island the first time. So I was getting ready for like a mandatory medical 14-day quarantine on the fifth floor and not calling a pay-per-view. Uh, everything was going sideways. And then I turned out five negative tests. So it began for me sort of wildly. Um, but there is something about that hotel and that atmosphere that uh, is just unique. And we're doing it at, at a time when the world is shut down and we're, we're staying on U.S. time because the fights are in the middle of the night. So we're going for 15, 20 mile bike rides at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, it, it just the whole experience with the covid testing. 
it's something I'll never forget. And I say I, it, I hope it comes around again because undoubtedly we'll go back to Abu Dhabi and, and the hospitality is world-class. But I don't know if we'll go back to that hotel, my man. And uh, I don't know if this is an advertisement for y'all to get to that hotel, but it, it's an incredible, <laughs> incredible place. And uh, it just felt very special. So when you uh, first heard about it, what was your thoughts on it? You know, Dana White, we're making a bubble on an island in Abu Dhabi. Like, what did you think? What was what what was the first thing with your mind? You know, I don't not not really surprised. Right. I mean, you got to think April of 2020. I'm trying to convince my wife that it's a good idea for me to fly to Denver. Right. This is as COVID is just starting. And then like rent a car from Denver to like Lamore, California, or I guess I was going to do maybe one more flight and then to, you know, rent a car from Fresno to Lamore while COVID was just spiking everywhere. So I knew there was going to be a way that Dana White and the UFC executives who all deserve credit in their own right, were going to figure out a way to get us doing shows, no matter where that was going to happen. So uh, yeah, it's crazy how it all played out, you know, uh, with the, the trademarks and, and everything else. But um, I do hope we go back, you know. Um, I really hope we go back in that type of setting. I know it'll never be closed off the way it was, but uh, I do hope they can make it sort of feel unique the way it did back then. Yeah, we definitely appreciate it. It was kind of unique to see nobody in there and hearing the corners and everything kind of chatter back and forth while the fighters are going at it. It was, I mean, we, we spent pretty much every weekend together watching it during all that. So it was a really unique experience. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt our fan base swelled during right. the pandemic. And I do think in terms of the audio, the the Fight Island shows in those arenas with the 30-foot octagon translate a little bit better on TV than maybe the UFC Apex does. But, uh, yeah, we're excited getting back out there. I can't wait to be at T-Mobile in a couple weeks. And, uh, man, we need fans, right? Like, yeah. uh, I hate to say it's a crutch for us broadcasters because the noise-canceling headphones keep us in the moment. But, man, is it nice to have a crowd. And just to uh, to call a title fight and then just get backed up by the crowd, you know, right. uh, it's a, it's an incredible feeling as a broadcaster. And when you don't have it, uh, you you cap a, a title fight and, you know, you're looking around. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know, even the few people that are there aren't clapping. It's like, man, can somebody make some noise? Yeah. I just noticed in the background there, is that the Holloway cater fight? Is that a still from that? Yeah, I'm trying to cover up my man Cal because uh, <laughs> you know his Tyson Shorty, his head coach, gets pissed. But what Max Holloway did against Calvin Cater, January 2021, greatest singular performance that I have ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. Seems seems inhuman almost that he's capable of that type of output. And uh, so, yeah, we we immortalized Maxie there, but I got to cover up Cater <laughs> subtly here so I don't offend the Bostonians. Yeah, in uh, going into that fight, now that we're talking about it, honest opinion, were you pulling for the Boston boy or what was your honest take on it? So generally speaking, I'm pulling for a Massachusetts fighter to get a fucking duck boat parade, whether it's Tisha, <laughs> Tisha Torres, who was born in Fall River, Massachusetts, or uh, or anybody. Rob Font obviously is pretty close. So there's a little Boston tug. But I think if, if I'm not mistaken, Max Holloway was coming into that fight having been kind of hosed in the Alex, Alex Volkanovsky rematch. So no, I mean, I, and if anything, you know, I do go back further with Max. So I feel like, and I said this on the podcast today, more often than not, there's like a relationship on both sides. So um, yeah, I mean, the Boston blood bleeds strong, but, um, but, you know, I, I go way back with Max and I, I always feel torn with these fights, you know, 
um, for the most part. In almost any fight, I have either a coach or a fighter or a trainer on one side or the other. But uh, hopefully, Cater can build his way back. I want to see him get back in there. Oh, yeah. He was – I personally, I was playing devil's advocate. Everybody was saying, Max, I really wanted Cater to take it. His boxing and his previous fights over Dan Ige was excellent, crisp, and I really wanted him to take it. But since you were speaking about the relationships you have, you always have somebody on this side and this side. Does that help you when you prepare – going into these fights because i've seen your instagram posts of what you do to mentally prepare and get everything right for these fights does that help having that you know personal connection to some of these guys yeah i mean it can be a lot during fight week when you combine sort of fighter meetings with me maybe reaching out to select coaches or managers trying to sort of clarify details and then coaches and managers reaching out to me trying to get me to watch this or watch that and then media stuff so obviously you guys are catching me at the beginning of what looks like a down week and I'm diving right in you know I literally have UFC 264 bios all over the floor right now and uh, just fresh off the printer so uh, we're always churning turning burning one into the next you know but um, thankfully this is the devil I know right now and uh, you know I've been able to sort of wrap my head around the workload but it can be a lot. And, um, you know, I guess I can leverage the personal relationships. If I tried to leverage uh, every single one for every single fight, uh, it would probably be information overload. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we're getting by, man. I always say, like, if they delayed the show five hours because of like a power outage, you know, you start texting people and gathering more information. Like, we can always make use of the extra time, um, especially on a, on, a, on a show where we got, you know, 30 athletes and 15 fights. So, uh, cool. it's a drama, man, you know, it, it's so much knowledge. And do you guys kind of, do y'all like when you're on the panel, you said you get together n not too far out, like kind of soon, like right before almost, do you distribute that between the, you three guys or do no, you do, or everybody takes it in? No, we don't divvy up the workload. You know, I think we're each responsible for, uh, well, for what, you know, you I mean, Hey, you know, Brian Stan used to say it's an open book test. You might as well show up with some goddamn notes. Right. So, uh, mm -hmm. I probably show up with more notes than most, but I think we all attack the preparation in different ways. Uh, I start with fighter prep and then I work my way towards like the show formatics. This is probably going to bore some people. Right. Um, but the, the fighter prep is just so consuming, right? If you think about just 30 fighters, give each guy or woman an hour, it's 30 hours, you know? Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's a lot in a back-to-back -back setting. It's a lot, but um, obviously I try to, you know, I start at the top of the card. That's the thing. Like I, I, I start at the top of the card, try to give those guys as much of my time as humanly possible. And surprisingly enough, I have not heard any mess ups ever. Have you ever had a moment like that? Tons. You, kinda... Tons. you want me to run through them right now for your audience? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, in recent memory, I have never seen one of those where you guys have stalled up. You in particular, you're always just on point. Well, I mean, it takes supreme focus over eight hours to not have that stuff happen. But I kind of look at it the other way. It's like, man, we've never had a perfect show. Never uh -huh. had a show where I haven't flubbed one thing or uh, had something that's not ideal. So, uh I guess we're kind of always looking for that no hitter. We usually lose it pretty early in the night. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Now uh, I'm sure you're you're pretty familiar with the UFC embedded series on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I, I I personally love watching them. Uh, so we get a sneak peek into uh, some of the fighters' routines during fight week. Um, let's hear your fight week routine from arriving at the the airport. Well, with this next fight in Vegas or wherever the location is. 
all the way to the main event, start to finish. Wow. So it's interesting because my wife is encouraging me to sort of get out more and play golf more and like go to sporting events and like do shit. Um, because I got to be honest with you guys for my first nine years on this job, like boy scouts of America in my room, basically prepping all the time. I mean, I go out to dinner every now and again, but really not doing too much socially at all. Um, so depending COVID obviously has injected a lot of different variables into the equation, but generally speaking, I travel either Wednesday or Thursday, and that might be preceded by fighter meetings over zoom on a Wednesday, or those happen in person on Thursday. The media scrums are very valuable for me, you know, in terms of, uh, my preparation, you know, especially like last week, you know, Matt Brown sits down for 20 minutes and he's talking about his coffee company. And it's like, so I don't really need much more than those 20 minutes with all the Matt Brown stuff I already got written down. So Thursday is fighter prep and then show format, right? Like going through our scripts and everything that, you know, like when we go to break and there's, you see two fighters in the locker room, like all that stuff is, is thought out so that we don't waste that time and just say, you know, fighter A is fighting fighter B. We try to give you some actual information there. And the pay-per-view open can take me two minutes to write. It can take me 40 minutes to write, you know, and then I'm trying to memorize that. Um, so all of these things are being done at different times, Thursday, Friday, Friday, I might have to host UFC live, which I do it, it, during the pay-per-view weeks. Um, I might have to MC the official weigh-ins in the morning, maybe the ceremonial in the afternoon, do a hit for the weigh-in show, got media hits just constantly. Um, I love the grind, don't get me wrong, but it's just, uh, uh, cram is a negative verb, but man, it's like, well, I use every bit of time, you know, I, I'm working out every day on the road, um, you know, running usually five miles is essentially what I'm doing on those days. So, um, it's a lot, you know, and, uh, and then Saturday, uh, I do a lot of final preparation. I shave my head and, uh, we're ready to go, you know, but, um, it's crazy. Like it's, people just don't, don't get it. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm doing it wrong or maybe I'm not talented enough to not have to work this hard, but it's like every hour is essentially devoted to this from the time I hit the ground to the time I go home. And then I fly a red eye home and, uh, and do more childcare, you know? So, Damn, so you fly home Saturday night, right after the fights. If I can, you know, um, like, uh, I'm going out to Vegas for like 10 days this time. But then after that show on, on Saturday, July 17th, I hit a red eye to Miami and in whatever condition we'll try to parent my kids before I collapse. Mm -hmm. now uh you mentioned um like cramming so that's like a full 96 hours of just constant you know clockwork have you ever thought about like just going out like a day early and just kind of or are you kind of well, like it's hard with the kids right and the thing right. is i'm still working when i'm home right like a lot of my podcast preparation is a means to an end it helps me do the actual show I'm voicing elements for the pay-per-view on a Tuesday. Um, and for UFC 264, I got to go out on Tuesday anyway. Um, so yeah. And I would also tell you that in a situation like this, it's June 28th as I'm sitting here talking to you boys and I got a pay-per-view on July 10th. So like I'm already starting my prep now, whereas for the July 17th show, coming off a Connor led pay-per-view I'm way behind the eight ball, right? I won't even look at those 28 fighters. I'll do some voiceover work. I, it's a mandatory verse voiceover work for the July 17th show, 10 days out, but I will sit down on that Monday um, or Sunday. Maybe I might have to wake up the day after Connor and start writing fighter cards for July 17th, right? The chase is on in the back-to-backs. Oh, so yeah. those are not ideal. 
Speaking of 264, going into this, well, next weekend, going into this, how do you, do you see anything being different? Talk Dustin, Connor, you see anything different in his game plan that Connor can do to maybe, you know, uh, those leg kicks were one big thing. Do you think Dustin will try to wrestle more? How in your watching them and watching all these fights, how do you see this one going this time? Well, as Joe Rogan, my broadcast partner, always likes to say, uh, it's a fight and crazy shit always happens. So, I mean, Connor won the first round in the last mm -hmm. meeting with Poirier, right? I mean, Dustin took him down a, a minute into the round, but Connor had a lot of success in that first round. So on the Poirier side, I'm sure they're sort of licking their chops in terms of improvements that they think they can make defensively as good as Dustin was, uh, mm -hmm. You don't want to fuck around with Conor McGregor in the first five minutes of a mixed martial arts contest, you know? So, um, yes, I think he needs to address that, that particular weapon. And, and I think he will just namely, you just gotta be aware of it and not so dismissive of it. He kind of just discounted it and, mm -hmm. and the end of round one and early round two, uh, Dustin was very accurate with that weapon. And then the thing about Poirier too, is that he just, he didn't miss with the fight ending shots, you know? Um, but man, you know, I guess if I was if I was betting Connor, you know, I would probably look to maybe uh, bet him on a knockout proper, bet him early on. Um, not that he can't sustain and win over twenty five minutes, but I do believe that Dustin. Uh, if I'm Dustin, I I'm almost uh, I'm I'm even more mindful of those first five minutes than I was the the first time around. I just love the fact that we had seven years between the first two fights between these guys, and now it's like seven months. So. Uh, it, it's fascinating that this third meeting is happening so soon after the second one. Uh, so you mentioned betting. I had a, a couple of questions on betting for you. Um, yeah. So have you, or are you allowed to uh, place bets on, on fighters or is that like con you're contractually obligated to not place bets, but you can say who, you know, who you would go to and what in uh I, so I, I sign a document that says in no uncertain terms that I cannot bet on, on mixed martial arts. Okay. Or boxing. I kind of, I kind of figured that, but so I when I ask. retire, I will be betting on every fight. For the rest <laughs> Make it up for lost time. But no, I cannot bet on fights. And even if I would suggest to you guys without even being asked about playing Connor early in that fight, right? Like I can talk about maybe a lean, but you still don't know who I think is going to win the fight. Right. Mm. And you'll never hear me be predictive in nature. Um, that all stopped in 2016 with the 209 tattoo. Um, but I never have predicted a fight that I called um, for obvious reasons. And uh, and I think, too, you don't want to hit on any sensitivities. If I predict Matt Brown to lose a fight and then call his next fight and that right. gets back to him. So um, it's just for a play by play guy. It's easier to not be in that space. And candidly, because anything can and does happen in these fights, it's kind of nice to never have to go on the record. So right. I'm going to go on the record this early and I'm taking the under in that fight. I don't know what it's set at right now, but I'm taking the under. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah let's see what it probably you probably get a decent price at under two and a half um so i when you're well you kind of answered my question by saying you know when you're in vegas you can't uh or you're just so busy prepping and you know doing all this all this side not i shouldn't say side work but uh you know media work um my, my other question was if have you ever hit the blackjack table with uncle dana or uh Maybe when you retire, are you going to ever hit the blackjack table with them? Because uh, I'm sure if you have or if not, I mean, I'm sure you have heard stories, but they must be fucking electric. 
I can't even imagine. No, I mean, I played with Bruce Buffer, which is sca several scales down, at least as but, far as the uh, minimum bet. Um, but, you know, I, there have been fight weeks where I have played blackjack, like before the fights, but mm -hmm. very rare uh, or, or roulette. Cause I'm just a glutton for punishment, I guess. Um, but uh, no, I mean, like after the pay-per-view this weekend, you know, I would probably decompress and play and uh, maybe try to find uncle Dana in the, at the Mandalay Bay or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless he's, he's passing down a stack of cash, that's the wrong room for me. It's incredible. Um, so who on your, or, you know, people talk about Mount Rushmore's and goats, who is your, who are, who is on your Mount Rushmore of all time fighters that you've watched act or I shouldn't say actively, but yeah, of all time fighters, who's on your Mount Rushmore for the UFC. It's you almost give an honorable easy. mention for five too, but right. But. It's hard. It's almost easier to give you one name and say John Jones, because he, that's my boy is, <laughs> is the, the most impressive mixed martial arts athlete that I've ever seen. And I've never seen him lose. Uh, Habib at 29 and 0. It, it's, it's, it's a really hard thing with the Rushmore. That's why I just lean on John Jones because mm -hmm. how am I supposed to, uh, how am I supposed to include or, or exclude Kamaru Usman in this conversation, right? Because at least if you look at his career, right, and my career in the UFC, like, look what the guy has done, man. Look right. what the guy has done. So I, certainly, I think two or three years from now, if he gets by Covington again, Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman is in this conversation. But yeah, it's Jones, it's Khabib, it's George St. Pierre, it's all the names you've heard, you know, a nod to Fedor, I think um as far as the heavyweights are concerned but um he's making a comeback I don't know. too <laughs> I, I just yeah I mean I just here's the thing I always like to say when it comes to uh Habib or or Kamaru or anybody who is lacking title defenses if John Jones put up champ if 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 Jackson Wink MMA Academy in Albuquerque New Mexico put up championship banners the way the Patriots do in Foxborough Massachusetts they'd have 15 fucking John Jones banners <laughs> hanging so Let's start there. You know what I right. mean? The guys won like 15 title fights. So as so far as young too. John's a 15 time world champion um, and Habib just can't lay claim to that. Right. And just, it, it's, it's kind of crazy to see how much of a higher tier John Jones would be if he didn't miss or have that time off. Um, like That's I a mean, good Dana, Dana White yeah. has said he'd be the LeBron James of UFC or MMA, but um, I hated to see that. He's, he's my, he's my personal favorite fighter of all time. Yeah. I mean, he's had some close fights recently. Obviously I thought the Tiago Santos fight was, was very close. Mm -hmm. uh, and he does have double digit decision wins in the UFC, which is a crazy stat. You, th you think about John Jones putting everybody away. Hasn't necessarily been the case of late. Um, but despite all the, the transgressions, you know, I've never seen him as um, a, a performance enhancing drug guy you know a recreational drug guy maybe you know mm. uh, but i just never saw him as some like steroid abuser like i you know if anything you know he was he was beating guys in spite of himself all those years so uh yeah i mean i wish that we had seen him realize it's crazy to think the goat uh is an underachiever but uh that's kind of how a lot of people see it and uh stick sticking with heavyweights um i'm sure you've, you've seen within the hour uh, Cyril Gaon will be facing off against Derek Lewis for the interim heavyweight belt. And uh, that's going to be in Lewis's hometown of Houston, Texas. Do you think that's uh, that's kind of unfair? I shouldn't say. Uh, yeah, basically unfair to to France, uh, Francis Naganu with 
how they're doing him. And, you know, they gave Stipe such a long time off after his title defenses. And now they're just fucking throwing an interim belt out there. Yeah. I mean, I tell my daughters all the time how unfair life is. Right. So it's hard. It's hard because the promotion has initiatives and certainly we need a main event for August 7th. And, uh, it's hard. Francis Ngannou won the belt three months ago, right? In, on the surface, it looks absolutely insane. You know, having had an hour to digest it, I can tell you that when Derek Lewis walks out at the Toyota Center to fight for a belt of any kind, it is going to be absolute mayhem in Houston, Texas. So I'm excited for August 7th, but I don't know the inner workings of what they were trying to get accomplished. And, uh, you know, if, if Francis would be ready in September or October, would that appease them? I, I just don't know the inner workings of it, but we are very much conditioned to not be surprised by these circumstances in the fight game. And maybe I'm just too close to it, but I was as shocked as you guys, you know, um, and but I think Francis certainly deserved to be able to go to Cameroon and celebrate his championship um, without having an interim belt be announced three months after his title defense. But, uh, you know, life's unfair. I mean, there's a lot of things professionally that that I've had to deal with that other people have to deal with on a daily basis. And uh, you just got to keep keep trucking and just not be sensitive, you know. Um, and I think, too you know, it's semantics in terms of the undisputed nature, right. Of his championship. Like we all see him as the undisputed UFC heavyweight championship, a little bit weird that he's going to be defending it. The dude's going to have a belt on his shoulder, but at the end of the day, I don't think it will impact Francis's bottom line all that much. Speaking of the bottom line, it probably boost for when Francis does, does come back because of all the stakes now on the line, you've got another guy that's yeah. holding the belt saying I'm, I'm laying claim. You didn't want to fight and I fought and now I'm here to take it from you now. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, it does sort of lay a foundation then for that fight. And if it ends up being Cyril Ghosn and Francis Ngannou, that fight just builds itself. I mean, the fact that Francis Ngannou's first MMA coach is Cyril Ghosn's manager and head coach, it's crazy. Um, so that would be fascinating. But I think the Black Beast might have a right hand or two to say about that. Yeah, normally I, I'm, I'm riding with Ghosn, but after watching what he did to Curtis Blades, and I thought he was just going to stand there, take the, the punishment he was putting on him, and then laid that one uppercut. Oh, my Lord. It's it's hard to bet against him, especially in his hometown, and they're going to be going crazy. Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, I hope the hometown works for him for his sake. Uh, but I just, man, that's going to be a walk unlike anything that he has experienced. I know he's walked in Madison Square Garden to fight Daniel Cormier. Um, but this belt is going to feel much more attainable. I mean, DC was minus 800 against Derek Lewis, who was undertrained. Um, now in theory, he's going to be in the shape of his life and, uh, fighting a guy 30 pounds South of him. Uh, I think black Beast probably licking his chops. We'll see. Gone's a problem though. You know? Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's the people, they're riding him off real easily, but after the Rosen strike. And that's so crazy that so many people do that with this like recency bias. They say, you're not as, you're only as good as your last fight. Does that, what? What I don't understand why so many people go that way. I think like, it's because a lot of fighters say that. I think it's because a lot of oh, fighters yeah? say that they're all constantly trying to present uh, the best version of themselves, if not a totally different version of themselves. Um, and you know, they'll talk a lot about throwing out the old film. But yeah, I think sometimes you do lose sight of the the body of work. Um, and I think for for Cyril Gan, he has gained. So much valuable experience, right? An hour essentially of octagon time against Arzina Rosenstrike and now Alexander Volkov, who are just two dangerous guys. And uh, I think that preparation will serve him well. 
he's just, he feels like he's ready. And um, I'm really curious to see if he is against um, a guy who obviously has a lot more natural knockout power than he does. Now, uh, I know on your podcast, you don't, you don't really like to touch about the subject, but I, I have to add, or it seems like you almost get aggravated with this whole boxing shit that's going on with the fucking Paul brothers <laughs> and all this shit. I have to, I have to ask. Um, so Anderson Silva, I'm sure you've seen recently defeated uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in a boxing match, which I was a big fan of. Um, and now Rashad Evans recently announced that he wants to make a return for a possible boxing match or even MMA match. Um, do you think this is going to be the new norm for retired uh, MMA fighters who are not really, you know, uh, over the peak, but who have retired maybe early? Because Rashad Evans, you know, he, he retired at a pretty decent age, so... I think he's still got something in him, but do you think this is going to be the new norm or do you think this is just going to be like a phase kind of like for the next few, few years? That's a good question. You catch me off guard with that Rashad Evans news. That's my guy right there. And I didn't yep. know that. I just hope guys aren't fighting for the money. I mean, Rashad has really remade himself physically and is in outstanding shape. And I can understand why he would want to test himself in a competitive setting. Um, but obviously in a perfect world, guys wouldn't be coming back solely for money. And my issue with Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather was really just that it was an exhibition, right? Mm -hmm. The Jake Paul Tyron Woodley thing to me is an interesting professional boxing bout that I will pay for on Showtime pay-per-view. Um, but I guess just the whole exhibition nature, like I want to be able to bet on this thing, right? Even though I can't bet on boxing, right boys, you know, like I want to be able to bet on, on Tyron Woodley or Jake Paul, you know what I mean? Like, and know that there are judges present, right? There weren't even judges judging Floyd Mayweather, right. right? And Logan Paul, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a trend that's going to go away. I mean, I think it probably goes along, has been going on a lot longer than we think in terms of these random super fights or mega fights or whatever, wherever you want to call them. Um, you know, I do. I will say though, you send somebody like Max Holloway or Calvin Cater in there in the pro boxing setting. <laughs> you know, I mean that would be very interesting. But you know, sending wrestlers in to box these guys who are training in boxing um, off a hip injury a too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Off a hip oh, replacement. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even. Insane. Yeah, no, that was horrible. Hopefully, you guys made money that night. <laughs> um. So also, um. Now, do you think, is there another maybe MMA fighter you think maybe not active MMA fighter that's going to go into boxing? Or do you think, because uh, I, I think maybe if, if Rampage Jackson's still in, in shape, you know, because he was also that Rashad Evans era, um, if he's in shape, he could fucking put his name out there. He was a savage in the, in the octagon. So I think maybe him. Do you think about anybody else? Maybe from well, that I era? Think, or I think a lot of guys like that maybe are looking from afar and seeing uh... – just not just the dollars, but the hype. And uh, yeah, I mean, would I see and would I pay to see an in-shape rampage in a boxing setting? I probably would, you know. Absolutely. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Rashad thing really, I think, probably speaks just to how good he feels physically and wanting to test himself competitively more than the dollar. But hey, man, if Triller or Showtime wants to pay Sugar Rashad, you know, 500 grand or a million bucks to show, you know, power to him. Absolutely. I know he, he hangs around with uh, Trevor Whitman a lot too, Rashad Evans. So I'm sure he, he gets the, uh, the, the itch or the bug to step back in there or he hits a pad, pads a couple of times and he goes, man, I still fucking got it. He hears those, yeah. those mitts clapping. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to let you know real quick, uh, and this is not Boston bias at all, um, but my Mount Rushmore of sports broadcasters is uh, Jim Nance, Jerry Remy, yourself, John Anik, 
and, jo- and Jack Edwards. Um, and a fifth and honorable mention goes out to uh, Don Arcello. Um, unfortunately, he left and is now doing his thing in Slam Diego. He's That's still right. he's still saying a an absolute electric factory out there with them boys. <laughs> well, thank you for the uh, for the acknowledgement. Uh, always always good to hear your name called in company like that. You know, Jerry Remy. My gosh, I mean. When I tell you boys, there were, there were summers where I literally would watch like 130 of the 162 Red Sox games. I'd watch every goddamn inning, you know, and I, and now I'm like twice that age. Uh, but those were the days. I mean, those were the days reading the Herald and the Globe cover to cover. You know, I had no cell phone just watching. If I didn't catch the game live, I couldn't watch it, you know, in the moment. So, so that, yeah, I think I, that's a pretty good segue uh, to this question. Now you're um, I, I grew up with um, you know, the Patriots winning in 01 um the socks what no three or i'm sorry no that what year was not you born i mean what year were you born i was i was born in 95 so so this is like my whole probably basically my since my memory started i just remember you know boston teams winning um so i've been yeah. very spoiled i know my dad has told me you know hey remember these fucking moments because i waited my whole fucking life to see oh you know <laughs> especially the red Sox win god damn but the you know the patriots and luckily the bruins and the, uh the celtics have won one um, but now you grow or you going through that phase. Is that, is that like, uh, does that ever get old? Like coming from another Boston guy? Cause I'll, I'll, I'll always, always throw out that 28 to three versus the Falcons or, um, or what Adam Vinatieri or even Tom Brady marching down the field with no fucking timeouts, John Madden telling him to, he should spike the ball. And Tom Brady yeah. just said, you know, the DX <laughs> threw it up. Yeah. Um, but does that ever get old? Like, you know, being from Boston and always rooting for the Boston teams, do you no, get to watch them much anymore? Know. I was a Patriots season ticket holder for years and years in my family when they were the laughing stock of the NFL. So, uh, no, I mean, there were a lot of lean years. Many of my formative years were without championships, obviously the 86 Celtics I remember, but I more remember my dad waking me up to watch the ball go through Bill Buckner's legs. Uh, and then just the horror in his voice. And my dad went to Seaford High School, grew up a Mets fan, but he just was pulled in by the whole Red Sox thing when he went to Northeastern and then thereafter. And uh, he woke me to watch that ball go through his legs. I've never heard my dad make noises like that. Uh, <laughs> but no, it doesn't get old. I mean, I, I still root just as hard. And uh, I, I don't know that that ever leaves. I certainly don't watch nearly as much. You know, the NFL is king and my Sundays are devoted to that. That's Whenever possible, I try to get out of Dodge with the UFC as early as possible. But uh, no, I mean, being on the East Coast, very hard with the three kids, being a sports fan. And, um, you know, I'll be lucky if I watch like three or four Red Sox games all year. But I religiously check the box score every day and, uh, you know, try to follow it as best I can when I'm in transit. It's funny you mentioned your dad woke you up to watch fucking Bill, Billy Buckner. That, uh, Jesus. I know. I remember my dad in, uh, was in 01, he, he woke me up. Uh, to watch or no was it no one no and I, I'm sorry oh four because it was a, it was a few years after uh, my my dad and my stepmom yeah. got married uh, they woke me up to watch the Red Sox win that and then uh, they did it again in what oh seven um, so that's funny how you know parents from you know yeah. I'm sure all generations yeah. just wake yeah. up their kids just to remember that one moment like hey watch this that's right. awesome all right Mr. John Ennick I know we're getting to a time here and I'd just like to say um, you've given us incredible insight into how your fight fight week preparation happens into uh, what got you to where you are now. And I applaud you, sir, because you do a very, very good job. 
And you're one of the main reasons why I tune in every pay-per-view, most, most of the fight nights, because your voice really sets it off and you do such a very, very good job. Well, thank you, man. That that truly means a lot, right? To think that in any way, shape, or form that somebody would tune in in some part um, because you are a welcoming voice or whatever. So that means a lot, right? Because the 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 counter of that, bro, is like you got to mute the TV because you want to fucking watch <laughs> oh, it, but you can't stand it, right? So like, yeah. and I don't, I don't like think it like Sean McDonough was my guy. Right. So like, as far as I'm concerned, Don Orsillo can fuck off. No, I love the guy. He's great. <laughs> but like, I wanted Sean McDonough to be the guy. Right. Cause I'm a little bit older. So I was like, Don Orsillo, give me Sean McDonough every day of the week. But yeah, no, you just don't want to, uh, to ever be a guy that is so off putting that people just want to like mute the TV. So to hear the opposite of that, I'll, I'll take that every day of the week. So thank you, my friend. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah, can't even go watch a pay-per-view at a restaurant. Can't do it. Got to hear what you guys are saying. That is, that's half, that's half the event. That's cool. That's cool to hear. Yeah, getting to listen to you and DC and John just kind of go back and forth. That's, that's awesome. That's worth itself. And, you know, when we're watching the fights too, that just kind of adds to the whole theatricality and everything of the whole show, you know, just, it just amplifies everything. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, it's fun, man. There's no doubt. Like Joe Silva, our former matchmaker would always say to me, like, don't forget to have fun, right? Because there's so much chaos and so much going on. And like, as soon as like the title fight ends, I'm getting traffic and we're doing the next thing. So it's like, you're trying to be in the moment, but also you got to be in the next moment. So um, right. yeah, it's, the, it's an amazing job. And uh, I try not to, uh, to leave the fun out of it as much as humanly possible. Well, John, I know we, uh, we went a little bit over your time limit. Um... And I just wanted to, again, say thank you. If you want to plug your, uh, your podcast and uh, your Instagram and Twitter, I know I, f- I follow you guys. I follow you on everything. So if you want to plug the listeners, your stuff. You fucking better be following, kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, with the Anakin Florian podcast, new episodes on, uh, on YouTube every, uh, every Monday. And uh, look forward to seeing everybody for UFC 264. Uh, going to be very interesting to see if, uh, if Connor can get it done here at T-Mobile in like less than two weeks. So very excited. And uh, thank you boys for the time. Appreciate it. And uh, just, just quickly before you go, you know, if you happen to have, you know, three extra tickets laying around on your fucking (laughs) nightstand or something for 264, just let us know. And we'll, we'll rent a PJ within an hour and we'll fucking be there. (laughs) I mean, I, I hear you and I wish I did. Uh, It's amazing how many close people in my life I've had to turn down for McGregor tickets. They're just, especially coming off a pandemic T-Mobile open for the first time for us. Like I can't remember a harder ticket in UFC history. Uh, Even, even more so than Connor and Khabib. So uh, if I get any extras, I'll I'll text you boys, but it's not looking great. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it or any event matter of fact, Uh, but yeah, just going over that card again, real quick. That's such a stack. We got Sean O'Malley. Who else is on that card? Who's uh, the co-main? Oh yeah. Greg Hardy versus um, was it Tai Tuivasa? Yep. Bam, bam, Tai Tuivasa. So hopefully he'll get a knockout and we'll get to see a shoey. But uh, (laughs) John Anik, thank you so much for for joining us. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll get to have you as a recurring guest and um, maybe talk to you again soon. Let's do it again, boys. All the best with your show. And and thank you for the time. Appreciate John Anik visiting the cornerman coming on the pod. Didn't really need to do that, but he did because he's one of the goats. The voice of the UFC. Yes, he is. Um, Be sure to go follow our Twitter page and our Instagram page at the cornerman with a K. 
just like how you see it on your phone or however you're listening to the podcast right now. Um, be sure to click that subscribe button, download button, so our analytics department can uh, you know see the numbers more, more clearly. Um, and be sure to check us out next week where we recap UFC 264 and go over our thoughts on which fighter should or which direction each fighter should go in their career and hopefully play matchmaker for Uncle Dana because you know Uncle Dana listens to this. We are going to have a big whiteboard section next week. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. Already know it. Make sure y'all check out the YouTube, too. We're going to throw up some clips from that uh, interview you just heard with John Anik. Yep. Have some little snippets of uh, him yep. kind of talking to us. It'll be on, cool. On YouTube, it'll also be the cornerman on YouTube. Um, and I'll be I'll be posting those clips everywhere, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Um, so make sure you guys go follow that. And, uh, yeah. Put them on Facebook, week. Snapchat, Tinder. We got it all. Worldwide. <laughs> Appreciate you guys hanging out. We'll be back. We'll be back next week. Also, yeah. before we go, make sure you go follow John Anik. That's right. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Check out, yeah. Check out his podcast. Anik Florian too. Podcast. Check yep. all that out. Got it. Man, we got to shout him out and do all that Got for him. It. See you guys next week. Appreciate it. Later. Peace. jump into the fights of 264 i just got some news that i've seen on instagram bam we have a new fight on october restart this i'm i'm fucked up on that one you're good